Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Socrates with Tyler Jenks, and this is the Hyperwave YouTube channel. Uh, we are with Lucid Investments, and today we are going to be taking a look at the recent Jenks, price. And oh, this geez, is the Louise. Hyperwave. Sorry about that. Um, so today we will be taking a look at the uh, recent price action in gold as well as Bitcoin. Uh, it's been a big day for both and that is uh, very exciting for uh, me as well as Tyler, two of our absolute uh, favorite assets. For me, I, I don't know if there's anything else I like seeing go up more than uh, the sound monetary assets that we have available to us in gold and Bitcoin. So I'm uh, very happy with the action that we are seeing today. Uh, what, what's what do you think of Tyler? Yeah, it's funny uh, you said that because I was thinking the same thing today. Uh, we just don't know how this is all going to work out one way or the other, but we know it is going to work out because market forces are in play. But to see uh, the kind of action we saw today, particularly in the gold and the silver market, uh, and then the tremendous thousand dollar run out of nowhere in the Bitcoin market uh, and congressional testimony taking place and Libra being debated around the world. Uh, it's all happening. It's all beginning. More and more talk about the debt situation because it's being forced on policymakers. Uh, it's not that they're sitting around saying, let's try something new. They're being forced to consider these new things. So this is very exciting. Why don't you take it uh, from gold? Uh, I can't believe the gold mining shares today, silver, uh, unbelievable. And none of them were up this morning. Uh, I was watching them closely most of the night and I was pretty disappointed that we weren't getting any follow through. And then all of a sudden mid morning, they started to climb and then they went nuts. So uh, I'll turn it back over to you. All right. Um, I will throw on my screen share now. <laughs> and we'll go ahead and uh, take a quick look at what I was seeing this morning. As Tyler mentioned, that the price was kind of um, waiting to make a move. And I posted a chart on Twitter uh, with a trade setup that I did take and has been working out very nicely ever since. Uh, so posted uh, this chart here, which we have been watching very closely for the last week or so, uh, sending triangle forming uh, with this flat area of resistance and this um, progressing trend line, which gives us the ascending triangle. Uh, yesterday we did close above and that I was watching out for that uh, to uh, confirm this pattern and signal the entry based on this ascending triangle. Um, that did happen. I didn't enter right away. I had a lot going on yesterday and I was um, actually woke up this morning kind of afraid that the market might have left me behind and I might have missed out. Uh, so when I woke up this morning to see uh, that this candle was still right in the vicinity of where the price closed yesterday, um, I was excited and uh, knew that it was time to go ahead and pull the trigger. Um, so I did post my full uh, trade details, which it's not um, any sort of advice telling anybody else to take this trade. It's just uh, showing in real time the principles that we're teaching um, uh, that uh, that we do also use them to risk our own real money. And uh, that that is why I will post some trade setups in real time. Um, it's not in any way trying to encourage you to take the same position. Um, so notice here how we broke through this horizontal and then we formed a bullish pattern on top of it. Um, I've been talking about over the last few days that that is just the ideal setup for me. And I really liked how it didn't get back down into this 1360 area. Support really moved up to the top of this resistance zone. Um, so everything there was looking really good. I provided uh, my two price targets uh, based on these horizontals. This 1480 lines up very nicely with the measured move from the ascending triangle. Love seeing pattern targets in line with horizontals. So that's my first target. Second target is the next 
uh, horizontal area of resistance at $1,550. And uh, my time frame is expensive expecting this to happen about in the next week based on how fast this moved here in June. Um, so just going through that setup real quick. Um, the entry was at 1428, stop loss 1397, risk is 2.17%, which allows for um, a good amount of leverage. Uh, went 40X leverage because there's no way that I'll get liquidated with 40x leverage before my stop loss is actually triggered. As long as my stop loss is above the liquidation price, then I'm always going to be using leverage. Uh, A, to decrease exchange risk and also B, to um, max out exposure when there is some good opportunities. Targets right here, 1480 and 1550, plan is 50% at each, giving us a potential reward of 6.09% and a potential risk reward of 2.8 to 1. I don't love risk rewards that are under 5 to 1. Uh, 3 to 1 risk reward isn't something that I'm really interested in very much at all, um, but it is something that I will take if it's a high probability setup. If I'm looking at a setup that I think is going to work out more than um, the you know an average position would, then I'm okay taking a little bit less on the risk reward side. Furthermore, when I am buying a breakout, I have to expect the risk reward to be less um, favorable than if I was entering on a pullback. Um, when you're buying pullbacks, then the stop losses down here are going to be very close. You're going to get really tight risk, and that's going to make the risk reward very favorable, but it makes the probability um, not nearly as attractive because the, the market's moving down and you're almost kind of catching a knife if you're buying a dip, depending on how you're doing it. Um, so buying dips are going to be uh, less probability, but better risk reward. Buying breakouts are generally going to be less desirable risk reward, but a higher probability of success. Uh, so that so far does look to be like a pretty good uh, setup. Uh, after posting that, we did uh, take off there pretty nicely. So uh, that's exactly what we like to see, of course. Um, and this was the last kind of area that we were really worried about. Uh, so we got this candle here that closed above this horizontal. It was the highest close that we had, but we're still in this wicking zone where it's showing a lot of resistance. Um, so being able to get above that was kind of the last uh, area that I've been keeping my eye on to make sure that this wasn't a fake breakout. You can never really be sure until it's too late. Um, but this, this four-hour candle is very, very important to me. Um, if this candle right here was met with resistance and it turned right back around, this could have all turned right back around in the last four hours. Instead, um, we're getting another extended range bullish candle, which is ripped right through my last areas of resistance. Still an hour and 43 until this four hour candle closes. But as long as it closes above 1440 or so, um, that's gonna, uh, 1442, that's gonna be a very strong breakout candle. And I would definitely think that this was not a fake out and that, um, that the, tar the first target uh, should be hit at 1480 if we can close above here. That, that would be my expectation. Um, so that's, that's what I'm seeing with gold. Um, pretty exciting stuff as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Uh, I'm just going to uh, go right along with what you're pulling up here. And uh, I'll pull up... Uh, my own little chart that we looked at yesterday and uh, I'm looking at all time frames here because I'm very interested in all of the eights that we're seeing. We talked about it yesterday, but uh, after uh, on a weekly basis, this thing blowing as uh, powerfully as it did today. And we'll take a look at a number of other things that did the same thing. Uh, that's looking awfully sweet to me. And we, we, we theorized yesterday that perhaps this nine that we're coming to on various time frames with various precious metals or derivatives, uh, stocks and mining shares uh, might not 
turn out to be much, but that's simply a theory at this point. And I would caution everybody uh, to uh, use all the tools available to get into trades. It's easy to get out of them uh, if you are willing to be um, very disciplined and at the same time, you are willing to be very flexible. But this is about as good as you get. This is a four hour chart of the XAUs showing approximately the same sort of uh, uh, pattern that we're looking on the longer time frames. But I noticed that we're just on a green two above a green one coming off of this four hour explosion, which means very possibly as we go into tomorrow and the next day that uh, this has got a lot of firepower to uh, take us through the uh, the nines. This is the 12 hour, same thing. We've got a three way above the twos. We're taking out all kinds of uh, overhead as um, Socrates just said. And uh, we've got uh, even the long term which is a 30, 12 hour period, which had actually began sinking a little bit, turning back around. That's again, as bullish as it gets. And then uh, when we take a look at the dailies, um, again, it's simply a two above a one. We did take out the stop and reverse today. And there's the posting of the first one in the past uh, week or 10 days, and it's happening uh, above all of this consolidation, which very importantly is happening um, above all of this consolidation, going all the way back five years. So this is about as good as technical analysis gets in terms of determining the beginning of or the potential beginning of a major move that could have legs for a very long period of time. Now, I don't want to overstate it. It's still very early in the move. Uh, I'm very happy with the fact that we have been in this trade for some time, we being our clients that are discretionary clients. We bought um, all the way back on the original breakout, um, didn't wait for a consolidation to take place. And um, we've been rewarded uh, in that position. Now, if we really get some legs behind us, this could turn out to be one of our uh, better calls uh, for the beginning of a long-term trend in a very well-established asset class. And you don't get those happening very often. So what I'd like to do now very quickly is go back to the dailies. And I'm going to spread this out and take a look at some of the other uh, by the way, I also noticed, I believe it was on the weekly. Did that log get checked for some reason? Uh, yeah, I've been having a whole lot of problem with the scale on my right. And so I've been screwing around with it. I'll put it on auto. Um, okay, it's not on the weekly, it was on the, might have been the three day, three days been positive. I'm looking at the stop and reverses here. Uh, the eight day is positive. I think they're pretty much positive across the board now that the uh, daily was taken out. That daily was bearish. Um, yeah, it was an outlier. And even the monthly is looking great. Okay, 
Very good. So we'll go back to the weekly and uh, just take a look at a couple of things that happened today uh, by going to the silver market. Uh, silver is very fascinating to me at this point. And the reason it is, is because it's playing catch up very quickly. Uh, took out the um, the uh, well, first of all, what it did is it held the uh, green bottom uh, on a weekly basis on that last pullback, which was very important. Um, and we've turned in this movement uh, on the last five weeks positive in terms of stop and reverse. Then we came to the uh, setup uh, trend line that we blew through today. We've got another one above it. And um, it is trying to catch up very quickly. I've got on the top of this a green two on the weekly silver, which may or may not help out what we're seeing in the gold market. We'll just have to wait and see. But this is one enormous candle. And obviously, if that occurred on the weekly, you can see what's happening on the daily. The same exact thing, blowing right through setup trend but with just these enormous candles, four in a row, the first one beginning at $15.14. We're now up at $16 four days later uh, in literally just a straight line. And even on the daily, we are now sitting at a six. So we've got plenty of upside in the silver market but I've been really intrigued with these gold mining shares. The reason we're looking at silver and looking at gold mining shares is because they've been big laggers on this move as gold moved from the 1250 area up to the 1350, then struggled between 13 and 14. And then finally uh, did what it uh, has done over the last number of trading days. But now what we're getting are these enormous percentage moves. This is the GDX. And on the GDX, it was up four and a quarter percent today. The GDXJs were up 6% again today. I'll pull those up just real briefly. There's the GDXJs. They are on a nine, but the GDXs themselves, the big miners, are just on a two. So we're seeing that there's a lot of room, even on the exponential, but I don't want to downplay what I saw when looking at gold itself. So here's the GLDs. It's only on a two on the daily basis, but on the weekly, it is sitting on an eight today. Everything's positive, everything looks good, but there is concern number one. Concern number two is the XAU itself, which is sitting on an eight today. After clearing through all of that overhead, that looks pretty, pretty good to me, but I, I'm looking for other reasons to think that um, maybe this nine is not even going to go the full one to four candle pullbacks. Um, and Socrates made some good points about that yesterday that I listened to very carefully. So I'd like you to jump in here and just tell me if you are nervous about going into nines on some of these daily and weekly time frames. And then we'll take a look at some individual mining shares, which obviously had a great day also. So any comments on that? Um, you're either on mute or I lost you. 
I was on mute. Uh, so, yep, I have uh, given that some more consideration and uh, was uh, given a little bit more analysis to that. And what I came up with was that uh, potentially on the, um, like, one candle correction uh, was something that I was kind of discounting a little bit uh, yesterday saying that I wouldn't even expect a one to a four candle correction. And uh, after thinking about that a little more, uh, getting a, a specifically a one candle correction uh, actually would make a lot of sense and maybe even a, a one or a two candle uh, where we are very, very strong on the ADX, uh, just sort of uh, uh, specifically on the weekly. Um, in the zone that is uh, that I would label as a very strong trend opposed to a new trend or an exhausted trend. This thing is right here in the strong trend territory, um, which tells me um, to expect another nine count to the upside as this gets more overbought up around 40. Um, for that to get up to where it is historically overbought, according to the ADX, um, it would take about another nine count on the uh, TD sequential. And that is what I would expect. And that still could very easily happen um, with a little short-term correction. If you got a, a three or a four candle correction, that would almost be too significant for me because then it would be in danger of rolling over that ADX. And if that does start to roll over above 30, um, then it really can be an indicator of a local top. Notice the last time that that rolled over above 30 um, was right around the top, um, right there. Yeah, and if you um, have the chart up in addition to that, you can see how that was right there where we had gotten to a nine and then it looked like we were gonna continue without any real correction. But and then that ADX rolled over above 30 and did um, provide a very good signal there. Uh, so long story short is that um, the consolidation that happened in the five, six and seven candle tells me that um, the market isn't like screaming overbought and needing one of these one to four candle corrections. Uh, but I still would be open to a, a one or a two candle correction happening specifically if it's um, at the about 14 80 level. I do see um, some significant horizontal resistance at 1480. I, I, love, I love the idea of taking a, a portion of money that is going to be allocated to a trade or a group of trades within a specific area like in crypto. I would never want more than 15% total in something that volatile for an overall portfolio, as everybody knows, I like about 60% in very broad indexes, another 25% in sectors and industries, and then play around with 15% because that 15% can easily uh, outdo even the 60% in the broad indexes. When you're talking about a specific industry or sector, in this case, we're talking about precious metals, I like the same approach. I like a most of the money in the, the big GLDs because that's the driver of everything else that's to come as you get down into narrower and narrower areas. So um, um, putting 15 or 20% of your gold money into gold mining shares and specifically even junior miners uh, is the right way to do it as opposed to putting 100% of your money because you like gold into two gold stocks. Now, you might end up hitting a bases-loaded home run with the one or two stocks you buy, or you might strike out. Whereas the technique that I use ensures that if you're right on the trend, you're going to make uh, significant money and you want that to accelerate as you get into the smaller and smaller pieces. So anyway, take a look at Anglo Gold Ashanti today. We talked about it yesterday. It had this very nice one candle that closed at new highs, but look at the two. 
The two is up 6% today on a AU. If you had picked Kirkland Lake Gold, you did very well, but it was only up 1% today. Newmont Mining was up 1% today. Very nice candle doing its thing. AEM was up 2%, a little bit better. EGO, which is El Dorado Gold, was up over 3% today, etc. Uh, the GDXJs, the you, junior market. Could you go back to that last chart real quick? Um, uh, the EGOs? Think, yeah, that one looks quite a bit different than the rest. Uh, look at with a run that it's been on. We're on, is that the fourth nine? Uh, yeah, one nine, two nines, three nines, four nines. Wow. Oh, okay, that's a daily chart. Can you uh, blow up that ADX to see how it's looking? Yeah. It's and all the way up at 40, at 63. And can we zoom out to get in, uh, see where the last time it has kind of topped out? So it's already blown through that resistance. Wow. It, can oh, we draw man, a trend that's line? interesting. Unbelievable. Look at that action. Jeez. Can we draw a trend line on top of those, uh, on sure. those peaks? Looks like this is probably a good starting point. Yeah. Take it up something like that. Something like that. Bring this down here. Extend this over to here. Yeah, that is very interesting. So now that's a much different picture than we're seeing on the others. Uh, this one getting to a nine um, as it is, looks like this is an area where it should definitely be topping out. Um, uh, th this is a much different picture and makes me wonder what's going on. Uh, yeah, that, that, that is very interesting. That is um, very bullish. <laughs> And it uh, looks like, but this one uh, looks ready for a correction where the other ones just don't to me. The other ones look, um, are still showing signs of a strong trend, whereas this is, is definitely getting towards being exhausted. And yeah. that is, um, we can it's tell. Fascinating. There's seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, with each of these lows slightly lower than the one in front of it. You've got just an enormous distribution. I'm not sure if you can do that with an ADX. I've never seen that before. But anyway, fascinating stuff. Sure enough. Uh, and is part of the point that I wanted to make, I'm glad you pointed that out. We're looking at gold mining companies in the context of what is clearly what appears to be breakout in prices of the underlying silver and gold. Silver not really breaking out yet, but trying to catch up. But you can see the tremendous disparity when you attempt to pick out the individual components of your trade. This is Alamos gold, and um, it was up a percent today. This is Kinross which has gone to new highs now on this move, um, which many of the others haven't taken out these highs. We still haven't come all the way back, but it's successfully, uh, or six, uh, successfully, successively taking out higher and higher uh, points. McEwen is just getting back to the last high but it was up 6.45% today. So, uh, and this is all non-leveraged stuff, folks. Uh, this isn't buying on margin. It's not buying options. It's finding an underlying trend in a major asset class that then spreads out to related areas that you can be as aggressive or uh, conservative as you want to be with them. Um, and you, I know a lot of people are playing the FANG stocks, both long and short. It's getting very confusing. Netflix today, you know, threw a real curveball at a lot of people. But um, the same sort of thing goes there. What the NASDAQ 
was doing was being determined to a certain extent by what the NASDAQ 100 was doing, which was being determined by what the FANG stocks were doing. And the FANG stocks were basically uh, being drivers. And all of a sudden we saw them split apart and the overall market right down through the S&P and the Dow began to be affected for the last year and a half. If you take that sequencing, when you're thinking about anything, cryptocurrencies or gold or precious metals or an industry or a sector, you can use the same analysis going from the very macro down to the smaller and smaller and smaller. And each time you do that, each time you go from the long term to the intermediate term to the short term for from the larger asset groupings down to the smaller ones, you get more and more volatile. Therefore, your risk goes up, but your re reward goes up also. And you need in money management to understand how all those principles work. So that's uh, enough of that lecture for today. I'll take a look at just a couple of others. The IAG, which is up 4%. And here's the winner for the day. Sandstorm Gold up uh, 9% today, uh, just blowing through everything. So uh, a lot of interesting things. I'll get off of screen share unless you wanted to look at anything there. Um, just a quick question for you, Tyler. Uh, um, I think we both agree that gold is a, a short and a medium term bull trend. Um, uh, would you consider this a long term bull trend uh, in uh, if not, why not? If so, why so? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, let me pull up um, the XAUs and just give that a thought for a second. Um, at this point, it's an intermediate term move for me uh, as soon as it broke out above this overhead resistance. And that's because it hasn't been going long enough from, from uh, the lows. It's true that we have put in, since the lows down in the 1100, uh, that occurred all the way back in uh, August of uh, 2018. And that was sort of a double bottom. But this is still a new move. All of this is consolidation. This isn't part of the movement. This to me is like, the 6,000 on Bitcoin. We screwed around uh, getting up to 4,000, 5,000, back down into the low fours, couldn't get out of the fours. Then we took off and blew through 6,000. But to me, the what we're seeing in Bitcoin is still an intermediate term move up. I'd say it's the same thing with me in gold. Now, if uh, we continue up from here, Remember, and this is just really beginning in June, this move. And so we've only had a couple of months of action. And to me, we need months or years for a long-term trend to take place. But looking at the, I, I, to answer this best in my terminology, we have to look at the weeklies. And on the weeklies, we have just had a breakout uh, in the last month. And that's a great starting point for a move. And um, if we go even longer, which you don't need to do, but I, I like to get the long-term perspective, this is um, the beginning of an intermediate term trend that could peak out here at 1500 or 1600 and that would be a great move and you can make a lot of money doing it. Um, we've only got six months worth of underlying support, but that's pretty darn good. That's getting into months, not yet years, but still qualifies for intermediate term. Obviously, if we get above the old highs, just like on Bitcoin, if we're able to get above 19,666 on Bitstamp, then we're in a long-term trend and the thing is going. If we can get up above 1,900 on gold, then we have started a major move that could last for years. Up until that, 
um, it doesn't matter what you call it, um, but you shouldn't get ahead of yourself and say, okay, I'm going to put all my money into gold because it's going to $20,000 because that's the potential for it in the macroeconomic scheme of things. You don't buy Bitcoin breaking above 20,000 saying it's going to go to a million. Um, you, you take it a step at a time. And right now, I would say that we're in an intermediate term move that could last for months more and get us at much higher prices. We're beyond the short term. And if you take a look at the moving averages on, I'm going to take the price off of the monthly. This is the way to always test what you're seeing with the price. And what you see here is the long-term moving average, which in this case is 30 months long. So it's two and a half years worth of action has not really turned up. It is flat uh, since June of last year, a year's worth of flatness. Well, that's better than it going down, but I'd love to see that turn up. The fact that we had a golden cross right here with the intermediate term crossing back above, that's great. The short term is off and running. The intermediate term is off and running, but we need a little bit more. And that's where you look at things like the Copic curve. And hey, can I jump Copic in uh, real quick before you pull up the Copic? And because yeah. to me, I think that long-term moving average has turned up, um, but you might not be able to see because that red line's kind of over it. Um, if you move that uh, red line, you can kind of see from what I can tell. It sure looks oh, like yeah. that. You're right, up. right there, right there, turned up sharply. Okay, very good. So that definition on a monthly with all three going up makes it uh, a long-term move, even though it's still in an intermediate term time frame. That's a good catch. And that Copic is uh, painting a similar picture as well. Yeah, there's the Copic. It turned at the beginning of uh, 2019 to the upside, stutter step and then has moved up. It's only at a plus seven now, but it's going in the right direction. We've taken out a trend line of the, this past all time high with this intermediate term high. Nope, that's not the all time high. There's the all time high. And I will draw that trend line because uh, that is interesting to me. Let's just see what that's looking like. Yep. Looks like a breakthrough. That looks nice too. So um, those are looking pretty good. Um, you can tell why we're excited about gold. Uh, the definitional terms of where we are and where we're going is one thing. I'm still a little nervous about these nines coming up. I'm always nervous about uh, bull traps, particularly where all of a sudden on CNBC and everyone else, everyone's yelling about what's going on in the precious metals market. I would rather this be very quiet, but uh, it isn't at this point. Um, there are some very big time analysts that I have a lot of respect for that think this is going much, much lower right up through this morning before this last pop. I'll get some uh, information from them later in the day or early tomorrow morning to see if they're finally blown out of all their positions. But it's been difficult for me uh, staying in long positions as we were consolidating. I wanna just take another quick look at, uh, maybe a lot of people listening aren't that interested in the precious metals, but I think you do so at your own peril because to the extent that this is in a very big bull move, it could get a lot bigger. My feeling is very strong that it will be very difficult for Bitcoin and the cryptos to uh, go along with it. I think a lot of money will begin moving into this institutionally around the world, along with central banks, and that will eclipse the Bitcoin story. I'm not saying that's happening. I'm just saying be aware that uh, I believe that when 
these two asset classes are up and running, they're going to do so in an inverse fashion unless they're both included together in a solution, either on the part of central banks or on the part of someone like Libra, putting both of these, Bitcoin and gold, into their basket of currencies. And then you could get them moving together. But anyway, that's, that's getting a, a little esoteric. This is the weekly and... Um, I just wanted to take a look at on the weekly what these longer term things are looking like. That is the one we looked at where we up to around the 14 on Copic. Um, the line we drew there was on the monthly, but I'd just be interested to see. Wow, that thing just cannot find a direction on the weekly. But we have gone a little bit higher than this high, which is higher than this, which is about the same as this. So there's a little bit of momentum building there, maybe. Um, okay, very good. Anything else you want on this? Otherwise, we should uh, jump over to the big move in Bitcoin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can go ahead and share a chart for Bitcoin. And while I am doing that, I will summarize my perspective in terms of I do think that um, I basically have to say that gold is long term bullish at this point. Um, the um, Monthly parabolic SAR is bullish. The weekly Ichimoku cloud is bullish. The monthly Ichimoku cloud is bullish and provided a great entry. Um, the monthly MACD has recently turned up and the monthly uh, Copic curve has recently crossed zero. Um, so those are basically every single one of my most important uh, long-term tools are all in agreement, uh, pointing bullish, and therefore I've got nothing else to point to and say I need to wait for this thing. And once that happens, I will be long-term bullish. I've got nothing there. Uh, so I do have to consider that uh, gold is short, medium, and long-term bullish. And uh, even though the time horizon hasn't necessarily been long enough to to say that it's only uh, it's been a short time that we've really been moving um, but it's been such a strong move that it has caused all of my long-term indicators to flip bullish um, so taking a look at the price of bitcoin and uh, pulling up uh, the price is probably different at this exact moment because this was a chart that i tweeted out earlier today and um, this is what i have been watching very closely uh, so this shows how the bull uh, the bear channel that i had drawn did get broken on this move here and now the price is um, approaching a major resistance cluster from these moving averages. And so we've got the 200 EMA in orange, the 50 EMA in green, and the 50 simple moving average in blue. And got, you guys have been following along with me for a little bit now. Know that I really like the 50 and 200 EMAs, um, but I also absolutely love the uh, simple period moving average as well um, for one very specific reason. There are um, uh, these are all designed to accomplish different goals to um, identify trend, to signal entries, um, and to signal exits, uh, and to identify areas of support and resistance. Uh, these are all designed for very specific reasons. And um, one of these uh, things is accomplished much better by a simple moving average. Um, and that's something I've never really uh, talked about publicly. That's something I've always kind of kept to myself, but we will be uh, going over that in the webinar that we have coming up next Friday. It is intermediate and advanced uh, consensio, and I, I won't be 
holding anything back, I will be going over exactly when and why I want to use a simple moving average instead of an exponential moving average and when and why I want to combine them and use both types. And this right here is a very, very good example um, for when both types could be very well suited. And we see that after price broke out from this bear channel, it appeared to be finding some resistance from the 50 and 200 EMAs, which could be providing the perfect um, pull up and into a death cross. Now here we notice that um, the 50 EMA is starting to resist this cross. And that's what the EMAs can do so well is they will really refuse to cross when you don't want them to. Um, that's what they do really well and is the first reason why I started using exponential moving averages is because of this action that we're seeing right here. Notice how this 50 EMA had started to flatten out based on this last action. The EMAs weight more recent price action more heavily than all of the, um, the, the period. So when you get something like this, it can really affect a exponential moving average, but not so much a simple moving average. So notice how the simple is still coming straight down and hard and fast, which we would expect that to be strong resistance. Um, but the 50 EMA is not. It has, uh, well, it was, but now it's flattened out and it's kind of moving in tandem with the 200 EMA, which is showing that it is very much resisting to make that crossover. Um, so that is something that I am paying very close attention to and will be pulling up a live chart here um, before heading over to the Bitcoin. Here's the, the monthly Ichimoku cloud, a very nice entry there with that close above. Price has proceeded uh, up from there. Okay, so let's take a look. I had to redraw this channel. Sometimes TradingView doesn't uh, save my stuff, uh, so I have to redraw this. Best estimation of what I was calling um, in here. Uh, that might be a little off, though, uh, but that is the, the best I could do. So we do see right in here that the 50 EMA continues to flatten out as the price is um, testing that area for resistance. So um, what I am expecting from here is uh, really mainly due to what we're seeing out of the simple moving averages. And if we are able to get above the exponential moving averages, then we will be facing very big resistance from that simple moving average, which is right above and still angled down sharply. And that's at 10,770 or so. So what I am expecting from here is that we do not get above 10,800 before at least getting some sort of move back down uh, to uh, 10,000. I would actually be expecting lower because if we do go from here down to 10,000, that will be enough to go ahead and pull this um, 50 EMA below the 200, which would end up being the ideal pull up and into a death cross. So if we do pull back from here, um, then that's still very much in danger of getting a death cross. And we should pull back from here because we are overbought at resistance. Uh, this is, um, we have moved, let's just take a look at um, how far the price has moved in the last 24 hours. That's a 17% move in 24 hours. Uh, you guys have talked, heard me talk about uh, this before. This is one of the most important indicators to me is the, the limits in terms of how far I've noticed that Bitcoin likes to move in 24 hours. If it moves 10% in 24 hours, then I am very much on red alert for some sort of cooldown, at least a consolidation and preferably uh, a small correction, a counter trend. When it moves 17% in 24 hours, that's really 
as much as I have seen it move in that time period. I'm sure you can go out and find a, a daily candle that has moved more than 17%, but you're going to be very, very hard pressed to do so. And uh, if you do go through that process, which I do recommend, it's a, a very valuable process to go through and see how far can Bitcoin move to the upside and to the downside in a 24 hour period, uh, you'll notice that uh, there are two areas where it really likes to top out. First is around 10% and the second is around 15 to 17%. Um, those are the two most common um, numbers that I have found when looking for what is the most that Bitcoin can move in 24 hours up or down. You'll see a lot of them peter out around 10% and the ones that don't uh, really like to peter out around 15 to 17. Um, so when I say that we're overbought at resistance, I'm saying we're overbought because we have moved 17% in 24 hours. That's an enormous move. And now we're at major resistance from these moving averages, which tells me um, we should at the bare minimum consolidate sideways. But really what I would expect is for this 50 EMA to take over and push us down back to 10,000. If that happens, then I would absolutely be expecting 10,000 to break down and for us to create new lows and go down to that 85 to 7,500 area that we have been looking for. Um, because if we do come back down, that would create another lower high below this and it would almost certainly lead to a death cross from the 50 and 200 EMAs on the four hour chart. Let um, me let me just jump in if you pull that chart back up for a second. Um, this chart here? Yeah, let's just assume that something else happens and we break above the highs from three days ago. What does that do? By definition, we will be above the moving averages you've got there. What do you think that would do to your analysis? Um, that would really have me um, thinking that I need to turn back bullish and thinking that it is probably high time to consider um, rebuying back what I was selling around 11,000. Um, but if that does happen, I would absolutely not be buying right away. If we do go from here up to 10,800, 10,900, right. then we're going to be in a situation where we're um, where we've moved so much in such a little amount of time that I wouldn't really want to be buying that. And I would be um, um, more looking for what I would want to see from there. So let's say that we go from here up to 10, uh, nine or so. Um, what I would be looking for then is this area of horizontal that I certainly don't want to be buying. And I would be looking for a higher high above here, um, which is at 11,000. So what I would really want to see if I was going to be um, kind of looking to buy would be a move really up to like 11.5 and then a pullback to 11 or 10, nine or so. Um, if we got some action like this, now we are clear of this death cross. And that is something that is very important to me. When we get within a whisker of getting a death cross, but we don't, and we, we get back above, uh, that is very much a buy signal for me because that tells me that um, that we tried and tried and tried to get this death cross but couldn't, and therefore a big reaction to the upside is is what I would expect. Um, so if we can uh, if we can get to ten nine, I would still be staying very much away, worried about horizontal resistance. Um, and then uh, waiting to see if we are able to break back up into this range up to 11.5, um, buying that next kind of pullback uh, would be very interesting to me. Um, but price, if I, if I see the price above a moving average that's trending down, 
that's never a, an area where I want to buy. That's always something where I'm going to be waiting to see what happens and very much expecting that price won't leave me behind because when it's above a moving average that's trending down, that's another situation that in my mind just views as, as a magnet, that the, that the moving average will act as a magnet until it at least flattens out. And if it flattens out as price pulls back into it, now we're really talking about seeing a, a good buying opportunity. Um, but if we're just right up in here, as this continues to be angled down, I would still very much be considering that uh, a selling opportunity or, or at the very min, it's time to sit and wait. Great, great answer, thank you. <clears throat> Absolutely, my pleasure. Um, so did you want to uh, go ahead and take the screen share over? Do you have something uh, to look at or anything else to comment on here? No, that's, that's uh, great stuff. I think uh, this took everybody by surprise, almost all uh, watchers. There were some people on Twitter that said they caught the bottom and they knew it was going to go up and stuff like that. Maybe some of them did. But uh, uh, I know this move today was shocking in terms of the power of it in a very short time period after not really starting off with much uh, early in the morning. Uh, just about the time the gold and silver market took off, this market took off. Not that I'm saying they're connected at all, but it's just interesting how uh, sometimes out of nowhere you get these big moves. And uh, that, that was great analysis. I appreciate it. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to add, um, and specifically why I'm viewing this as a short squeeze, um, is not necessarily due to the long-short ratio being out of whack or the um, the funding rate on BitMEX, uh, really what it is, is this candle right here. This is a 10 minute candle that took us from uh, a low of 9,454 to a high of 10,337. That's basically a 10% move in 10 minutes. Uh, let's see here. That's a 9.3% move in 10 minutes. That's not natural organic buying action. That's a short squeeze. That is um, a lot of people being uh, maybe short after this horizontal broke down. We kind of got this bounce back up to the top of the channel. It looked like it was rolling over. Um, it, it, to a lot of people, this looked like a great time to sell and uh, then as price ripped through right here, right around the 97, all this action was shorts being liquidated um, uh, be, due to how short of a time period this happened. Uh, the price doesn't move 9% in 10 minutes without some sort of major squeeze going on. Uh, so that is um, specifically why I am viewing this action as a short squeeze and not as something that is organic or necessarily what I would expect to be sustainable. Yeah, th those are those are great points. And a lot of this has to do with the uniqueness of the crypto sphere, not just Bitcoin, but the crypto sphere. It's different than every other asset class, but that doesn't mean all these technicals that we are using and have been using cannot be effectively used. It simply means that you must know that at any moment in time, in this particular uh, asset class, one person, or a small group of people can move the price anywhere they want to move it. And that's an extremely important tenant that you need to hold at all times when thinking about where is your money on what sort of exchanges and what can you do in a to protect yourself against the limitations of the asset class. And one of the best ways of doing that with this kind of volatility that is uncontrolled, unregulated volatility 
is to just make sure that your sizing is never more than uh, that level that at a time like this, if it does what it just did, you aren't wiped out. That you are perfectly content to know that what you just put in on that trade could be at zero in a very short period of time. And if you can't do that, then you have to have a smaller position. And if you can't do that, you have to have a smaller position. Don't try to use fundamental or faith or technical analysis to get you out of that trap because you cannot prevent it in this asset class. Great, great input. I uh, absolutely couldn't agree more. And you'll hear us uh, hammer home this point time and time again. It's my opinion that pretty much every problem that you're having, if you're trading and you're not having much success, um, it's my opinion that basically every issue that you're having could be solved by decreasing the position size. Um, if you've got a thousand bucks and you are trying to learn how to trade and you're not having much success, take $50 and, and treat that 50 as if it's a thousand such that if you do bust that $50 account, then you are going to either take some time off trading or uh, something along those lines. Uh, make sure that there's a, a discipline there. Um, focus on the process. Focus on learning how to consistently win, how to consistently beat the market. And don't think about uh, needing to make a whole bunch of money overnight or, or get in your entire account, the entire $1,000 and then 5X leverage it. Uh, don't be thinking about that. Think about how to get yourself into a situation where you can consistently pull money out of the marketplace, where you can consistently um, manage the wins against the losses such that you're a net winner at the end of the week, at the end of the month, at the end of the year. If you are doing it with a very nominal amount of money, you're going to very, very much eliminate the emotions that cause people to make a mistake time and time and time again. No matter how good your technical or fundamental analysis is, if you're um, betting too big, you're going to lose no matter what and it's going to be consistent um, so absolutely start small and think big if you can turn a 50 dollars account into 500 then you can absolutely turn a thousand dollar account into ten thousand and then do that 10 more times uh, but if you're consistently um, betting too big today because you're trying to get from 1,000 to 10,000 in one trade, um, then you're just going to continue to lose and, and grind down your account. So absolutely uh, decrease position size. If, if you get some action, like anything we've seen back in here, this was scary. Absolutely. We fell from 10,500 down to 9,000 in very short order. That was scary. Did that cause you to make any bad decisions with your money? If so, decrease your position size. This is scary. Uh, if you've been selling and you've been um, short or medium term bearish, this action here out of nowhere uh, could be scary unless you are effectively managing your position sizes and managing your risk to where you know if you take on a position and you get stopped out, so be it. It's a cost of doing business. It's going to happen all the time. No big deal. So now what was scary just becomes kind of regular. Um, so definitely consider uh, what your emotional state has been like through these last couple days. And if you have been overly anxious or making some bad decisions with buying and selling, decrease your position size and first take a week off. Um, so that's my rant there. And I'm sure that we've gone much more over time than we wanted to. So I will thank everybody for sticking with us. Um, it's been a little bit over an hour. And uh, thank you, everybody, for uh, leaving some comments and providing feedback uh, on YouTube and on Twitter, um, seeing some really great charts out there. And uh, really appreciate all of the support uh, that you guys have been showing up on a daily basis to listen to us babble. Yeah, thank you very much, everybody. and. Uh... Again, a, a week from tomorrow, from 12 to 3, we're going to do a very in-depth uh, analysis on consensio, intermediate and long-term, and uh, 
intermediate and advanced and various time periods, but from two very different perspectives. Socrates has been using these exponential moving averages uh, extremely well. And I've been very interested in watching how they interplay uh, with the simple moving averages because I am married to the simple moving averages because of the style and my objectives and goals for people that I'm working with, uh, they work terrifically well. But uh, we're gonna be much more nuanced. Uh, and I think, I know everybody's gonna learn a lot. We've also got a bunch of big announcements coming about what Lucid Investment Strategies is about, what we're about to launch. We've got a lot of big projects underway and uh, we'll be uh, talking about those in the uh, days and weeks to come. But please uh, go to the lucidinvestmentstrategies.com website, uh, go to products, go to webinars and uh, sign up for uh, a week from Friday. We've already got tremendous interest in it. It's one of to me, the most interesting subjects of all the things that I have studied. And uh, it is the most useful tool I have in my toolbox. I can use it every day at all time frames. Um, but overlaid with all these other uh, very interesting things that Socrates has brought to the party, uh, the results are uh, really incredible. And uh, we'll talk a lot more about that next week. Uh, we're working on this, the description of everything that we're going to cover that will be up on the website very shortly in the next day or so. And uh, thank you again for listening. This is about as interesting as it gets in this business that I've been playing around in for 40 years. The 70s were great. We had roaring inflation and therefore commodity prices and the peaking of interest rates and then the beginning of the biggest bull market in the history of uh, finance that lasted 20 years and then was interrupted by almost 15 years of uh, some of the most chaotic markets. And now things are beginning to move in a brand new set of macroeconomically sensitive and important uh, asset classes. This is new territory for everybody, for economists, for world bankers, for um, finance ministers, and for everybody on Wall Street. You're at the beginning of something very new and you've got available to you tools that have been very effective in all market types across all asset classes, including this new one, uh, the crypto market. So thank you all for listening. Thank you, Socrates. And uh, we'll see everybody tomorrow.